Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington for Federal Baseball, and I just nailed that opening. Joined tonight by Doghouse from Federal Baseball and Dave Nichols from Federal Baseball. As is the Nationals, 9-1 to drubbing of the Phillies in Citizens Bank Park. 8-1 to one on the year after the win. Dave, we'll start with you. They started the series with a three-game win streak in CBT. Wins in six of the last seven in Philadelphia. 12-7 and seven against the Phillies in 2015. Dusty Baker talked about playing these rebuilding teams, said you can't take anyone lightly. The Nationals did not. They got off to a good start. MAP goes Y-A-R-D, as I wrote on Twitter. A 1-0 slider just crushes it. Sends a line drive out the left off of Jeremy Hellickson. Jason Worth started the game one home run shy of 200 in his career, 61 in CBP during his four years in Philadelphia, 292 average in the Phillies' home. It's a base-clearing double in the first, 4 nothing at that point. When he scored, it was 5 nothing. and Ellickson was not fooling anyone in that first inning. He didn't last long either, Dave. Oh, oh excuse me. Uh, I've been asleep since about <laughs> 8 o'clock, so just give me a second to wake up. Um, <laughs> now, you know, Dusty Baker can say that, that he isn't taking these games lightly, and uh, obviously the Nats can't afford to take anything lightly. But I think we as fans have, and now have the right to know that any game against the Braves and the Phillies, and for that matter, the, the Padres, we can take these games lightly um, because these teams just stink on ice. If, if the Phillies were 5-5 five and five coming into this game, feasting on the, 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 the rotting hulk of what used to be the San Diego Padres, I can, I can only imagine um, just how bad the Padres are and, and, and smack our lips and, and, and get ready to, uh, to enjoy the feast that will, will come in Southern California. But, um, man, this Philly seems to me. I mean, I, I, I saw them, saw them blow, a, blow an infield, uh, infield fly roll the other, uh, last week. Um, the third baseman apparently has an allergy to picking up clean ball, uh, ground balls cleanly. Uh, the left fielder was afraid to go into the wall to make a catch. Uh, their opening day starter uh, got got beat around for five five runs in the first inning and gave up another one later on. I mean, um, you know, my we were sitting here watching the game on TV and and, and my wife, who is a, a knowledgeable baseball fan, said, "Who's that? And who's that? And who do they have there?" <laughs> I mean, this Phillies team stinks, and it's going to be enjoyable to watch the Nats get to beat up on them another eighteen times this year. Uh, I'll apologize for doing this to both of you, but I had this little problem myself when I was putting together my game notes. Doghouse, so well, this is our trivia question for the night. We'll start with you and see if you or Dave can get it. Phillies started this series with the lowest combined ERA among starters in the majors after 10 games with a 2.14 ERA as a rotation. Can you name the five starters in the Phillies' rotation at this point? Uh, Hellickson. Okay, what? That, 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 that kid they got from Houston, was he Valverde? Um, Velasquez. Uh, they, I know they still don't have Joe Blanton anymore. Uh, you know, that's, that's as much as, no, no, I can't. Dave, for the steal. Ellickson, Vincent Velasquez, um, Jared Eichhoff. Three. Uh, uh, Steve Carlton and uh, <laughs> Roy Halliday. Roy Halliday, yeah, there you go. Charlie Morton and Aaron Nola are the ones I didn't get either. 
But right, they were, Aaron they were Nola, off, the rookie, yeah. They were off to a good start until that five-run, 45-pitch first inning by uh, Nelson today just got pounded around. On the other end, Doghouse, I'll go back to you with a fair question here, or at least a comment topic to discuss. Joe Ross on the mound for the Nationals, another solid start, even better than last time out when he struggled a little bit in the in the early innings, but seven and two-thirds scoreless tonight, three hits, two walks, five Ks, 107 pitches total for he's done for the day, and really just overmatched, uh, dominated this Phillies team that, you know, as Dave said, not a particularly good team they're putting out there, but Ross did look sharp out there. Yeah, he, he was uh, throwing pitches for strikes. He seemed to be commanding things well. Uh, he had a couple of fits of wildness. I think there was a period there in the third where he issued a walk or two and looked kind of messy for a minute. He had to come out and get a get a McMaddox to, to kind of settle him down and, and, and get him back in line, but he got out of the inning. And, uh, I mean, three hits on, on the night, no runs allowed. That's, uh, that is pretty darn solid. And, you know, I remember so many years of dreading every single Philly who came to bat uh, during, during the bad times. And e- even during the less bad times, having, you know, at least half the order that I was concerned about. Now, honestly, I, I hardly pay attention while the Phillies are up. Um, this, this, this team has gotten awfully bad since its peak. Uh, th- there are certainly glimmers that it's going to get a lot better in a few years when uh, the prospects that they've been picking up pay off, if they pay off. But right now, wow. Stack, stack these wins up as quick as, and, as, and as far as you can, Matt, because everyone else is going to be trying to do that too. Dave, you and I both uh, expressed some reservations about the back end of this rotation. Two starts in, uh, I'm not going to say I'm convinced that they're going to be as good as they look so far, but Tanner Roark and now Joe Ross tonight, two starts in, they're looking pretty good, and Ross is dominant out there on the mound against a, you know, a triple-A kind of, triple-A-ish Phillies team. Yeah, uh, he was he was very good. Uh, you know, Doc House mentioned the uh, – um, the third inning there where he walked two guys and needed to get settled down, but, um, you know, kept the ball down, uh, kept the, uh, um, as you say, the, the, the 4A or the, the 3A hitters off balance. Um, you know, Joe Ross has got a lot of talent. I mean, he's got a, he's got a very good sinker. Um, he threw what looked to me like a splitter uh, on a couple of occasions, a ball that just kind of disappeared, and if that's something that he can turn into his quote-unquote change-up and, and have, a, have that be an effective third pitch for him, um, this is a guy that, that's got a lot of goodness going for him. And as we saw tonight, too, um, a competent hitter. So, uh, just uh, look, this, this, the, the trade that, that landed the Nationals, Joe Ross and Trey Turner, is going to confound baseball historians for decades. Um, how he was able to weasel into that trade and get the two best players out of it uh, is still beyond me. Um, and the Nats are going to reap the benefits of it because Ross is still – I've got T-shirts older than Joe Ross, so it's just it's every time he takes them out, it's, it's going to be a joy to watch. And my biggest concerns, just to just to get clear on this, my biggest concerns are um, what happens if any of the five falter, because the only the only you know the only recourse they have is to call up uh, Lucas Giolito, something they don't want to do till June. I mean, it's not unthinkable that a 22 or 23 year old starting pitcher in his first um, making his first opening day lineup. Um, would show some regression. It, it was entirely possible the way 
uh, Tanner Roark bounced between the rotation and the bullpen last year, that you know it was we 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 wouldn't be the same pitcher. So far, um, that hasn't been the case. They've both been very good off off the bat. And if they continue to be as good this season as they've looked thus far this season, um, you know all that you have to worry about it is health with, with the starting rotation. I'm just gonna politely suggest, I'm gonna politely suggest that you throw away your 22 year old T-shirt. But moving on quickly, <laughs> Bright, Bright Harper doghouse didn't wait long for number 101. Hit 100 yesterday on that grand slam to get the century mark. Uh, 101 today put the Nationals up nine to nothing at that point. We'll get back to some of the other run scoring in a minute. But I, I thought it was really interesting. Philly announcer Matt Stairs, of course, a former National was talking during the game about Bryce Harper crushing and currently sitting on off-speed pitches. I I told you I couldn't find the pitch selection data for what he's hitting so far, but he said he's not hitting fastballs all that well or at least isn't getting many to hit, and is just kind of sitting on and crushing those off-speed pitches. Got a first-pitch curve from Brett Olberholzer in the sixth inning here and just absolutely crushed it, hit a towering home run to right, a two-run blast, and you said you were able to find some of that data, putting you on the spot here to – make sense of some of it, but is Matt Stairs correct, and what do the numbers tell us so far? Uh, yes and no. Um, right now, and you know, apply salt with admonitions about sample size to your liking, Harper is batting zero against 14 fastballs. However, this is this is balanced a little bit by the fact that he's batting 571 against two-seam fastballs. <laughs> He he is batting 670 against sliders and uh, 300 against cutters, only 200 against curves. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's clearly clobbering the heck out of off-speed pitches and only hitting fastballs somewhat well. Uh, you know, I, I also went and looked at pitch value data, which is uh, a little bit fuzzier. And he, he is, so far this season – slightly below average uh, in terms of uh, production on, uh, on fastballs and changes. But uh, I, I expect this is more a matter of just get, getting his timing down and, and figuring out uh, uh, sort of settling into a groove. It, it is sort of funny. If you look at, uh, his, at the distribution of pitches that he's gotten over his career, he started off getting very few fastballs because essentially pitchers bought into the hype. And so they didn't give him that rookie throwing fastballs until he shows he can hit a fastball. Then he got a lot more fastballs his second year. People realized he could hit a fastball, and they backed way off. And over the last three years, that percentage has slowly been creeping up again. And he's been getting, you know, one or two percentage points more fastballs each season, including this season. And it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on, if that continues, uh, <laughs> if if he just is, is crushing uh, off-speed pitches so much that uh, people throw him fastballs instead, which would be uh, be delightful and hilarious. <laughs> Dave, how do you think these pitchers, is there any adjusting to him? If you throw it near the plate, is he just going to crush it at this point? Or are we going to see hitter, uh, pitchers just giving them the Barry Bonds treatment at some point. They already sort of are doing it and not giving them any big spots to hit in if they can avoid it. But going forward, if he keeps doing this, are we going to see a lot more walks for Bryce Harper going forward to the point where it might get frustrating for everyone involved? 
Well, I mean, if you look at his total from last season and what he seems to be doing thus far this season, if we see a lot more walks, um, you know, it, it's going to be, you know, two a night, three a night, you know, that, that type of thing. Because he already typically draws a walk or two anyway. So, um, yeah, I think there's certainly uh, a, a, a fair amount of pitching around. I think there's certainly an amount of Harper, you know, picking picking out um, picking out off-speed pitches. Uh, you know, looking for um, you know looking for a specific pitch. I mean, we've heard Jason Worth a couple of times talk about um, you know looking for a certain pitch uh, all the time, not just not just um, in certain situations, but. If you get your pitch, rip at it. If you don't, go ahead and take your base. And, uh, you know, I think for some guys that approach can work. And obviously, um, obviously whatever approach that Harper is taking at this point, it is working because he's, you know, he, he's, he's hitting for power. He's getting on base. Um, you know, he is doing what he's supposed to be doing. And, um, you know, when he, when he hits the home run uh, yesterday for his, for his career 100th, um, you know, I think I think most of the people that were there watching and paying attention were expecting him to do it, and and this is a guy that um, you know that, that we're very fortunate uh, as people that follow this team get to, get to watch it on a daily basis. Sixteen hits, dugouts total, uh, fourteen runs on the day, just a dominant uh, performance for the Nationals' offense overall. Uh, a lot of that can, of course, be attributed to some of the, the pitching wasn't very good from Hellickson to start with, but Michael Taylor, nice swing on that home run, two for six on the day, a run scored, uh, Rendon one for five, Harper three for four, Zimmerman one for four, Murphy again, another double lined one off the base of the wall uh, to drive in a run. This is, offense is just brutal on people. Ramos two for five down at the bottom, Espinosa two for five, Worth two for five. It's just, these guys are humming. Dusty Baker has talked about, you know, it was good at the beginning of the season to have one or two guys hot, but it looks like everyone's kind of catching up up and down this order and even getting Michael Taylor in there swinging the nice bat tonight. Yeah. Uh, it, leadoff home run notwithstanding, I still don't like him in the leadoff spot, but I, I, I can't really find it in myself to complain too much about it tonight. Um <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find the doom lining to this. Maybe they're, they're using up all their hits early, save it for the tougher teams. I, I, I don't know. Uh, even that, you got to say, hey, having some success against the weak teams, it, it counts. It, it builds your self-image as a hitter. It, it gives you uh, image and success that you can carry forward against people who can actually pitch. Um, which I, I think the Nets might be facing sometime in May. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to mind watching watching games like this. Uh, I, I think it's going to take me a while to get tired of it. <laughs> it took me about four innings on this one. I think it might have just been the fact that I was tired, but about the fourth or fifth inning I started to drift on this and had to turn on some hockey in the background to keep my <laughs> – keep me awake, not keep my attention in line because I was enjoying watching Joe Ross. But the win tonight leaves the Nationals 7-1, and one, eight, eight, 8 and 1 on the year. I'm reading 7-1 and one as I'm about to note that the 8-1 and one start is now, uh, I have to double-check myself, but I think it's officially the best start in franchise history. The Montreal Expos started 7-1 mm-hmm. in 1974. I didn't know what the, don't know what the Expos did in that next game. 
last BC-based team. Of course, we mentioned the other night, 7-1, 1951 Washington Senators. So this is also, I think Chase Hughes noted yesterday's press conference that it was the best start for a Dusty Baker team that he's taken over. So everything's running right now. And if you look at the lineup for tomorrow, you got Max Scherzer going against NOLA. It doesn't get any easier for the Phillies. Two more in Philadelphia after tonight's 9-1 win, 8-1 on the year. Nats Nightly, sponsored by federalbaseball.com, and we'll talk to both of you guys tomorrow night. Go Nats.